The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. The moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. Hey, I'm Alan McGuire. Hi, And this is Juvenalia, the podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a thing they were obsessed with when they were a child. Our guest today is former voice of Phantom FM, video producer, and citizen of Twitter, Kate McAvoy. Hello. Welcome to the show. Welcome I'm the very show. excited. Thank you. So we're very excited to have you. overly excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were, we've been so excited that we had to start hitting record before we just uh, talked ourselves into the floor. What are you bringing to us? What brilliant thing from your childhood are you bringing to us today, Kate? To be honest, I was talking about this with somebody this morning and I can't believe no one has done this yet. Uh, Matilda, both mm-hmm. the book and film because mm. they are great. But like, I was actually really surprised because you know you're having to think and I think everyone has had this question. If I was on Juvenalia, it's now become like your Desert Island Discs. It's like, what would I do? <laughs> oh my God, goals, right? Where yeah. it's like... Yeah, that's, you're the artist. That's very nice oh to hear. Oh my gosh, I wish. That'd be so cool. <laughs> but I was like, well, I do Matilda, but I'm sure someone has done that because I've listened to m- most of it, but I probably have an overcrowded pop- podcast diet. And I was like, actually, no, hang on. And I went back and I was like, oh my God, no one has done this. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Alan, hello. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how it works, you know? That yeah. is how it works. Did you, did you read or see it first? Let's start, start. Read it, definitely read it mm. first. Yeah. Um, I think this is quite fitting for Matilda. So I was in Pembroke Library, which is a really cool old school library and was the one closest to my house. And we, I'm from a family of voracious readers, like Bookshelvarama, we read an awful lot. My youngest sister has been known to read Standing Up in the Shower. So like Iconic. she's probably, yeah, she's probably the highest. I used to walk home from school while reading, which, you know, it's a wonder I didn't die. But, mm-hmm. you know, on the other hand, you kind of get the level I'm talking about. So I'd say yeah. my dad was like, get thee to the library. Mm-hmm. I can't keep buying books for you. Mm-hmm. So I remember being in there and it was the hardback one, uh, the, you know, the kind the of iconic ye- yellow yeah. cover. Mm-hmm. And she's sitting on the box surrounded by all the books. And I read it and I read the back of it. And I was like, this is a story about a girl who reads a lot. It's okay. Like, yes, yeah, sold. So and then definitely bought a copy and had a paperback copy of that that was like wandering around. And we definitely done some Raoul Dahl drafts, Pelly and Me, also iconic, had it oh, on audiobook yeah. as well that we used to listen to and George's Marvelous Medicine. But I'd say this was like kind of the next step up yeah. until you get to Raoul Dahl's uh, adult short stories, which, oh, are they dark? Yeah. And like Henry Sugar was sort of like his. Yeah. The wonderful story of Mr. Henry like, Sugar. You know yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Um, and again, some darkness in those stories. But yeah, I think it's kind of like and we d- I don't think I ever really did like revolting rhymes of the enormous crocodile or I any did of those revolting rhymes yeah. when I was a kid I fucking love I've read them now obviously rhymes. because that's what adults do but <laughs> but yeah go back to them because they're yeah, great yeah. but uh yeah, it's amazing how his work is banded into these streams nearly mm. you know and Matilda lands in this sort of sweet spot yeah right? I think so it's kind of because like I would have been I'm gonna say I am really bad at remembering dates so I have to be like we lived in this house and my youngest sister had been born and have a rather than saying this was in the year like good year of our lord blah 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 I have to be like I'm going to say I was seven to eight because I lived in this house and Anna was born. And here's what the curtains were like. Do you ever get sensory things like that Mm. where you're like, I feel like the carpet was that terrible carpet and that's where I was sitting when I was reading it. Like you have these these, uh, blinkered memories Mm. of like really specific things but you're like, I could have been four or I could have been fucking nine. 
but here's what the carpet looked like. Yeah, no, I know? get you. Because this happens to me a lot with sport because I think a lot of people who are fans of sport will be able to be like, well, that that's the year Ireland won this at a, by this point and so-and-so scored a try and I'll be able to be like, that was the year that I cried in my friend Dob's house um, because the day bef- the game before we won the Grand Slam because I thought it might finally be possible. So I kind of need to have <laughs> like a little narrative for myself mm-hmm. as opposed to people who are like stat fans, which I am really bad at. I know people who are stat fans of life who mm. are just like, my, my friend Steph is like this, she's brilliant, she's a she's a, a doctor who works in Belfast now. She was always going to be the real serious one. She's amazing, mm-hmm. most intelligent woman I've ever met. But if you say to her, do you remember when we went to that Battle of the Bands? And she's like, oh, and you were wearing this and I was wearing this and we listened to this song on the way and we were drinking this out of a Ballygown bottle and this, and I was like, are you... How do you have this memory? That stuff I'm really good at, but if you asked me what date or year, then that would be the problem. Nah, she's got it all. She's got the full yeah. picture. I like, drive my best pal insane because I'll be like, yes, that time and literally that you were wearing this and then you said that and whatever. And she's like, what are you talking about? I love forgetting stuff, man. Forgetting's awesome. I I'm find very good at pub quizzes. Oh, that's good. Mm. Unless something is said back to me in a very specific way, I won't remember it. Mm. I need like a keyword to unlock it. You can tell me some all the details about something unless you use like a certain word. A trigger that's word. In, in my head, mm. I will not remember it. That's Karen so real. kills me for it. She's like, remember, I told you about this last week. I was like, no. Nope. I was never there. There's a word you use <laughs> that you're not using now. If you say that word, I will remember it will every all, bit of And you'll get it. the like whole it's, just, it's not yeah. coming to me. Yeah. No. That's so funny. But it is all about that thing, isn't it? Like kids all have different ways of learning. Mm. You know, like some people are like visual, some people like I would have been, which is ironic because I have the handwriting of a serial killer. Like, is it, <laughs> it, the, if, if you ever see like something written down for me, it will be like, has someone taken my loved one? Because that's what it looks like. <laughs> but like I was, would have been like a real note taker and that's kind of how mm. I remember things. But some yeah. people like, you know, would record on tape or whatever. It's all about like, Learn because tape yes because I am old so mm. it would be about like different ways of learning and I think mm. memory is kind of like that you remember like different things in different ways I think mine is very sensory it's very like you can smell something or whatever like feeling yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm. instead of anything else I don't know I feel like my like Roald Dahl was the books they, I loved Roald and I did my thesis in my postgrad on Roald Dahl um, because very uh, excited about was, this uh, oh we'll get into the oh, no, ultimate oh, problematic fave ultimate problematic fave and also my supervisor who is so fucking cool she's like a, a doctorate of like body horror and stuff she's amazing was totally convinced I was going to fail because I was such a pisshead in college I was such a like just checked out didn't fail did okay but um, with Roald Dahl like the kind of those books are such like a, a like I remember weird bits of those mm-hmm. books because they stick in me in the yeah. in ways that oh, so many yeah. other things come and go yeah and uh, maybe he's agree. like that for everybody and maybe that's why he's so powerful because his imagery is so visceral yeah, definitely. and like gross and also I think like they are his young his young people's books anyway his kids books and I think Matilda is probably the best example out of this you're like you identify with the character or aspects of the character and it was funny obviously like researching this you're kind of like looking back on it though, there's like a lot of similarities with me and Matilda when we were growing up but there's so many more differences mm. and she's almost like I was thinking about this because you know that's what I do Um, she's really reminds me of Harry Potter in that you're kind of told repeatedly that she's an underdog but you're like bitch ain't no underdog she can move shit with her mind and she has loads of pals she's Carrie mm-hmm. yeah or like and actually like that is are, are we like curse oh, yeah. oh yeah. yeah fantastic but like <laughs> Matilda, both the book and the film, upon rereading and rewatching, dark AF. Oh, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. god, Fucking which is bleak. great. Yeah. Like she, she like there's telekinesis, there's the gothic horror murder mansion. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it's Carrie. Yeah. Like it's so much horrible shit, terrifying, fucking visceral, brutal teachers, like this weird the jokey, puberty like, shit. What the, the hell? BSM grade shit. Yeah, man, like, you know, hundred percent. Like and particularly in the film, and I think that's one thing that Annie DeVita directed really well when she's going through that house. Oh. 
because I hadn't seen the film in years and then I was home. I booked the day off after my birthday, but it turned out to be Stormophilia. So everyone was home oh, yeah. um, with a gentleman caller at the time and he picked Matilda to watch, which I hadn't oh. seen. Any. And the two of us were like, this is terrifying. I don't remember this being this straight up terrifying. But I think all of the Roald Dahl cinematic adaptations, particularly ones from earlier eras, like if you think about... Um, Fucking the witches, which traumatized all of us. Mm-hmm. Matilda, early fucking Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I'm not observing the late one. No, we're not. That doesn't. It doesn't but count. Like, it's horrendous. If you uh, fucking James and the Giant Peach, like mm. that shit. Is they are giant insects. Go- that's got. Yeah, that's got. And the cloud so, monster oh thing. God, oh my so god. Beautiful. I love yeah. it. Uh, but the but it's also really fucking frightening and dark. And that kind of darkness when you're mm. reading it feels like one thing because you're like oh there was this wardrobe in the wall and it was full of spikes and she just had to stand there mm, you don't want to look at that shit no or the the gluttony like my, yeah. my thesis on doll was um, called skinny orphans and chubby spoilt brats oh my god thank god and, this was literally uh, like on my notes preach Sarah it was about starvation and it was about Charlie Bucket and like the purity of yeah. the thin body and how yeah, the bad Matilda people are, and are gluttonous yeah. and the good people are skinny yeah, so and also was, like the ugly thing like you know that good, if like good oh, thoughts will shine out of your faces and like the twist are bad people twits. so they're ugly yeah like and there is the, and that was the interesting thing I think if you look at her pals is you had like Lavender who's tiny you had Bruce who big boy and the iconic chocolate cake scene and I think the film really framed that in a really positive way yeah and then you have in the book she's in the film but she's mentioned a bit less Hortensia who had a boil on her nose yeah and they were even the kids like look at her and that boil is like a badge of courage like it's one of his first books I think where it isn't just like you know you're pure and good and thin and white and whatever mm. and, and you're starving because you're so good you're so and look wholesome. at these bad fat people mm. and I think also the way that he like um, I'm like do we start talking about how he treats women and work this oh early my God. podcast and in his like life like nine oh like in his life like, Patricia Neal God oh love God. you God love like, you like what a monster yeah. but his treatment okay in Matilda specifically mm-hmm. right if you want to look at Miss Trunchbull and Miss Honey as dichotomies mm. of these two different kinds of womanhood mm-hmm. yeah. uh, like Trunchbull's obviously a bully and a monster right there's no denying the fact that she is evil and Miss Honey is like sweet adorable and, nice and sweet and, yeah she's and literally called Miss Honey literally <laughs> called Miss Honey which is the best last name ever and I feel like I want to like airlift that from somewhere mm-hmm. you know be like I want to call somebody something honey um in, it's, in a general, it's a like, tribute it's a tribute it's a but the way that he treats the female body is mm. really interesting because again Miss Trunchbull is effectively butch yeah and Miss Honey is way yeah. fit thin mm-hmm. like there is such a good woman bad woman mm-hmm. and I kind of love and I think Danny DeVito twists that a little bit because like obviously the Trunchbull is butch and whatever but she's so athletic she's an Olympian athletic, like, yeah, all, like yeah. it's not necessarily been like oh you fat bitch yeah, it yeah. is like part of the reason she's terrifying is her amazing strength there's a bit of that in the book there's the iconic pigtails and whatever are still yeah. there which again like that scene is incredible that's true it's and it's so visual but I so feel scary, like so scary though could you imagine yeah. oh, yeah. like, no, oh my god yeah no 100% and I remember you remember you literally being like you know could I I mean could someone like you know I'm pulling my hair for if you I know the that. audio medium yeah, yeah. <laughs> listener yeah we're all <laughs> like Sarah and I like, are and I'm sure yeah. Alan's thinking about it but like we're like yanking out of our heads right could now could you imagine without your whole sky I like yeah our, but um, she is very like even she turns yeah. her car around and pushes mm. it and you're like especially in fairness when I was watching it whatever in the past six months I was like yes queen right? yeah do it because like yeah. I lift and I box no, neither of them particularly well mm. but like I'm kind of like I mean you're still a reprehensible human but you know you you're go strong. girl yeah. Yeah. yeah hold your own I was thinking there um my primary school headmaster was called Brother Finbar. He was the he left when oh, I was brother. in. Brother, I said butter. Oh, no, he's a cool Christian brother. Name. Yeah, but he used to. Everybody was terrified because he used to come in and pick mm. up uh, kids by the hair just in front of their ear. That is and horrendous, pull up on it. Helen. Yeah, horrible. I am, it's like an early nineties, like Matilda time. Uh, we were reading. Matilda. I will say actually, because another way we always think yeah. like you know 
Christian Brothers scary shit mm. of our parents' generation. No, it's not When I was in senior infants, I had a teacher who used to hit me as as mentioned, full circle, terrible handwriting. Always um, had terrible, always had terrible handwriting on the hand with like rulers, rolled up newspapers. She, as you can tell, I'm a husky bitch. And I always was from like the age of five. She once made me stand in the corner for the entire day after we sang the Hail Mary because she said my voice was an insult to God. In, oh my God. In hindsight. What she, year? What year? Uh, senior infants, it would have been six. The year of, our, like that is yeah, crazy. So I would have been 90, 91. That's insane. But it's one of those things where literally at the time, because you were a child, it doesn't occur to you this stuff is wrong. No. It was only I'd say by the time I was about twelve, where I was like, "Hang on, that bitch hit me." Yeah, like yeah. you are so trusting, and what, yeah. and it doesn't even occur to you to go home to your parents and say, "So and so did this." Yeah, our teachers, in especially in my primary school, like I have a very because I I did love I I have like loads of critique of Matilda as an adult, but when I read it as a child, I was like, I feel like working Matilda. I'm bored mm. in school all the time because all I want to do is read. Mm. Not exceptionally academic, just like reading. Like it's it wasn't a sign of childhood mm. genius. It was probably a sign of like some sort of low lying ADHD. But the I remember being very... No, I could read and write very mm. early because my parents gave me books. It was yep. This was the mm. thing. They were Same. like, fucking Again, shit writing, out. not so great. The reading... Reading. Grad. So I was not smarter, but mm. was able to read. Yeah. And, I, don't and mean, I was very verbal, which I'd say you might have been too. Yeah, but, not, yeah. but couldn't do math or Irish. Mm. Could do one thing, mm. stay good at one thing. <laughs> but I remember being in the back of the... So we were doing the fucking... The, the, the joining the dots on the fucking oh. numbers, right? And I was like, oh, I've fucking done number five like so many times. It's going to go on to number six. Teacher... Who was a who was a, a a very square woman, um, with a who used to wear like these lavender pantsuits. Like she 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 in retrospect she especially feels like a real doll, doll, doll character. And the way that you would be punished in my school in my primary school was that they would get you up in front of the class and they would hit you on the back of the legs with a ruler and get the whole class to chant shame on you, shame on you. Are you what were doing? What it. the hell is this Game of Thrones? Yeah, like with a bell. Total Kilbaric, nineteen ninety fucking two, bitch. Like it was this real. Because I genuinely like, can't imagine that happening in a school. And maybe I'm being super naive. But yeah, no, I, really... I don't think it does. I think it's illegal. So, but every, I, I know it's illegal. illegal well, yeah. Every interaction that we had, every disciplinary interaction mm. was, was like... so public shaming. I was so rolled up. Yeah, well, mm. even it the cake, so like dull. Bruce Bogtrotter and the cake, it's the in a, it's in front of everyone, it's an assembly. And it's like, and then Matilda public... spins it in the book. It's not her in the film. It's, I think it's a, Sorry, in the film, it is her in the book. It's a random person who stands up and says, you can do it. And then they all, it becomes an act of rebellion. So like can you imagine And like you're not going to do this When you're six or eight or whatever If someone had said When you're being shamed If somebody had said Like turned to the teacher And said shame on you And like you know Had spun the room There's but a we way are to, ki- to turn that into but an But we are kids And we don't do that <laughs> Because we do what we're told Like and you're also told Like this is the person of authority Also this is the bigger per- The biggest person in the room You know what and are you going to do And you did something wrong Because you moved too fast in that moment So yeah. you should have fucking known better yeah. And like that is That's that's dull like mm. we look at those stories of punishment especially public punishment yeah. now and just cannot imagine it like when I was a nanny I remember talking to kids about how excited they were to go to school the next day mm. and I'm like I hated school mm. because it was a it was this theatrical mm-hmm. frightening world yeah. and I think what Dal captures about the childhoods of the characters that he writes about is that they're frightening worlds mm. they live in so somehow Matilda or Charlie Bucket's stories while they're fantastic and beautiful capture a great deal of the fear yeah. of being a child and like if you think about being a kid, like I know obviously if you were being very broad minded you could apply this in general but I think a kid like every day is je- you like you learn so much every day by existing so like every day is a new challenge oh. the majority of situations you get into you won't have been in before yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. so I think yeah there is that sort of like kind of 
heightened fear of things and how to do and also like you haven't got the framework you haven't learned how to it's like even if you move on a bit in your life your first heartbreak part of the reason it's so horrendous is that you don't have the structure yeah and to know that you are you've heard all the ABBA songs but you don't really know that the winner takes it all (laughs) until you felt that for the first time (laughs) yeah shout out to ABBA very happy I have an ongoing row with my boss who despises ABBA hello Ross Um, that's just they are incredible and he's wrong what's the best ABBA song I honestly I love Winner Takes It All I know uh, it's a really easy one I really um, really like it I think it changes all the time I can't remember what I said on the ABBA episode but I would I forgot say Voulez-vous I love mm, it's just a banger nice. I'm really sorry to tell yeah. you you're both wrong mm. it's Honey Honey in Swedish you may continue yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry That is. <laughs> did you ever hear a more hipster choice yeah. in your life also the beauty of ABBA is that you're would not you like wrong a, unless you're like my boss and don't like ABBA would you like a deep cut oh. <laughs> here is a deep ABBA cut you know so I spent um, what year I was 21 and I had about three jobs to pay for my J1 and one of them was in the three arena when it was still the point um, as a like usher whatever the word steward usher yeah. who knows what I was doing Person anyway yeah exactly yeah. Um, but a, a huge chunk of my work coincided with Mamma Mia oh my god so I saw the beginning of that musical like so many times and I will say oh, I didn't stay yeah. that often to watch the whole thing because you're tired like you've been on your feet right. all day and whatever uh, well college all day then going up to going to work and whatever listen I had an amazing summer in Chicago I made bank it's fine I feel so, like again those are kind of Celtic Tigerish years where it's like mm. I, also, I had three jobs when I was in college as well and I was like I was tired all the time but I had like disposable I buy, income I could buy like a top <laughs> now if I buy a top I have to like ring my mom and be like are you sure this is why I was going to have a mortgage <laughs> buying this top and she's like well exactly the reason we why. don't have mortgages is entirely our own fault am I right guys yeah, like isn't that shops. that's all yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, all that avocado I've toast. seen a t-shirt with an avocado on it which just seems very reckless to me lads I yeah. was so close when I was in California to getting an avocado tattoo and do you know how oh there are two tattoos that I'm glad I did not get mm-hmm. one of them was the avocado and the other one was the Woody Allen quote so not you know, aged well yeah. not aged well and it was a really good quote um, but uh, I don't whoa. even want to call him a problematic fave because he's no, just problematic he's just, no he's yeah. just a monster yeah, he's yeah. just terrible, a monster terrible, we, we, we've transcended problematic mm. fave to Yikes. Yeah. No. I'm also away. now really scared that the rampant Woody Allen fans who seem to populate Twitter to point out flaws in people's arguments are going to like attack me. Come but at me. Yeah, yeah no, it's fine. Actually, can you all go at Sarah? Because I'm just, I'm not in the space right now. <laughs> I used to be a really big Woody Allen fan. And oh, then I, I saw like about that. maybe 10 films and I saw Manhattan and I was like, oh. Oh. Manhattan oh, okay. Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. that's See, leaving done. aside, okay, we're just going to take a tiny little Woody Allen trip and then we'll yeah. go back to, like, leaving it, let's say, <laughs> down hype. Woody Allen Avenue yeah. and yeah. then back to Roald Dahl. Yeah, Roald Dahl Boulevard after that. Yeah. So, yeah. listen, back to, like, a problematic fave who still has some stuff going for him. Even if, let's say, all the extracurricular stuff isn't true and is normal and whatever, which it's not, but, like, this is a guy who repeatedly remakes the same movie over and over again about, like, really disturbing age gaps and, like, young and vulnerable. Even, like, Mighty Aphrodite, she's pretty vulnerable. Yeah. Mm. Like, he's telling you what he has been all along. Mm. And that's what makes me feel like an idiot. Whenever I look back at the work, I'm like, You've been talking all along. Yeah, like Mario Hemingway. How old is she in that film? 17. My favourite Woody Allen movie was Hannah and Her Sisters. And uh, because my dad showed me that movie when I was a teen, after my first breakup, actually, and Annie Hall. And uh, here are some strong women films. Everything you need to know. But everything you need to know about relationships, you will learn from this world. And like, Hannah and her sisters as a screenplay is an astounding piece of work and the tattoo that I was going to get was the heart is a very resilient little muscle which is the last line from that film Mm. and uh, it's so but also fuck that guy fuck everything he's made go find better heroes find better work be and as an artist as a person who makes work make better be better than them and make better work don't mourn it 
use it to galvanize you and go forth and don't be a monster ensure that we live in a climate where there's art made and beautiful films and like incredible television and brilliant novels written by people who aren't literally fucking children like that isn't that should not be a high fucking yeah. bar of behavior like so yeah bummer about that one movie i used to like Mm-mm. like but how about we do better yeah mm. and also like there's this idea that like oh that being a genius and a dickhead are ultimately synonymous it's like no thank you i believe you can create great work and be sound mm. i know that sounds insane apparently in this cur- and also like let's not get even into like the bar of forgiveness for like white straight dudes compared to anyone else who transgresses as well like that's oh, just yeah, a different issue but like i firmly believe that you can make great work and not be a phenomenally horrible person I don't mm. think you even have to be friendly. I think yeah. it just helps if you're not like actively know. mistreating people. Yeah, actively 100%. harming yeah. people. Like power is a fucking hell of a drug, man. And I feel like maybe the days of that kind of power are done. Mm. You know, like I like a child. Like there are children's authors who are working from the UK today. Like when, like when David McWilliams um, did that fucking host oh, that gross dinner yeah. for yes. gross rich dudes, where the women mm. were like all instructed to wear like identical little black dresses and identical knickers, and were like told to go and deal with the rich dudes. Yeah, that thing that happened. A few they were monitored ago. when they went to the bathroom. Yeah. Like, oh my god, they're timed. Like David McWilliams is writing books. I'm doing the thing again Sorry I do this thing Where I tap the table Passionately And then you remember It's an audio medium <laughs> Or I talk From back here Because I'm making a point like, You're projecting nobody, though yeah, So yeah, I think fine. the mic I'm, Is still picking you up Whatever But McWilliams Writes silly books For kids Sorry just Williams, yeah. Like Williams. Williams? yeah, yeah. You're getting confused with children. David McWilliams, the yeah. economist, okay. and David Williams. Uh, so here's a fa- and here's as far as I know, David McWilliams is not problematic. Oh, as far yeah. as I know, fair play to you, David. Yeah. Small fact: I get celebrities' names wrong all the time. I will just call people the wrong name. This is like this is a running running fact. Mm-hmm. I can't spell people's names. I'm I'm. Uh, Thank God you're not, doing this podcast then. But that's not being bright. That's remembering shit. Little bit. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's I'm good at that. So like, I don't think of that as being bright. I think of it just as the sort of tape recorder in my brain no I don't have one don't have one uh, but anyway the lad Williams Williams with no Mac yeah thank you not the Pope's uh, children guy no yeah. different yeah. person um, he uh, writes silly books for kids mm. not unlike our friend Roald Dahl mm-hmm. and his behaviour is reprehensible and the stuff often that he writes in the books like he, he uses slurs in the books like he is not a great person and yet children because they're children Mm-hmm. just read the books that are there you know like so it's I guess as a person who produces media for children you do have to be responsible in some way and like lead by example but Dahl comes from a time before that oh my god yes. Dahl was allowed like, to be hugely anti-Semitic yeah and politically incorrect pl- is not the word yeah like f- a racist yeah like a cheerful one you yeah. know an unapologetic, cheerful racist. And obviously there is an element, like, and I know this is something people go back to a lot in general, but there is obviously an element of like a man of his time and whatever. But at the same time, it ain't a carte blanche excuse. It's no. not, and I do think sometimes people use that as a, oh, well, they're old. It's like, mm, that's not okay to be racist. That's no. not how that works. And especially if you're producing stuff that kids read, you know, mm. and there are so many within the, this is the problematic fave thing. Mm. There are so many beautiful threads yeah. in Roald Dahl's work that, yeah if you're beautiful on the inside you'll look lovely on the outside like things that kids need to know and it can be a positive and like there are like such there are such amazing quotes like I think the one that everybody kind of would know from Matilda which I'm going to do I might even do it in my phantom voice if you want Sarah (gasps) please do it in your I'm not sure I can read anything for this long in my phantom voice and nor does my phantom voice fit with a children's book because it (laughs) normally makes it sound like I've been out with Stevie Nicks or something awesome what a combo yeah I know okay Um, so Matilda's strong young mind continued to grow 
nurtured by the voices of all those authors who had sent their books out into the world like ships on the sea. These books gave Matilda a hopeful and comforting message. You are not alone. Like, and that's gold. Like that, mm. as, that a qu- as a thing, oh, no, I didn't mean my also voice, I meant Roald yeah. <laughs> Both are gold, yeah. uh, but that is so beautiful. Yeah, mm. and it's something like, if you were like me and a quasi-lonely kid, yeah. I had the Indoor kind of, kids. I had the reverse mm. of Matilda where my family were deadly and I didn't get on super well in school. My teachers were actually great, but I was a complete oddity and I think the other pupils were like, who is this girl? Mm. Who like, in high, as we have now grown and evolved, are all lovely girls, but at the time they were like, who is this like motormouth book reading weirdo? So, yeah. I came from a not book family. There was just not really books in my house at all, but they read Fantastic Mr. Fox was in like oh, second class banger so good and then my aunt found out that I really liked it and she they had like a, a big set of Roald Dahl books oh. and gave them to me so I got like seven Roald Dahl books what a gift at once. what this a gift this is the same aunt that uh, gave me all the Terry Pratchett books oh we've this all got a good one. Yeah. rockstar so aunt so I read George's Marvelous Medicine Matilda James and Giant Peach Charlie and Chocolate Factory Charlie and the Great Cross Elevator was your little mind blown yeah and the witches uh, all in like mm. oh, two months yeah I used to read The Witches over and over again the it scared me so much good. I was like oh I hate this I'm going to read it again let's go mm. back in yeah, yeah, see yeah. I'm the opposite because I'm a wuss no, uh, Witches I've read loads of times but I'm a wuss whereas you clear would you watch horror films now not really yeah. mostly because my I wife can't, hates them I, won't yeah. I love them yeah. me and Carrie played this game a few weeks ago on our, our Twitch channel because that's who we are now <laughs> most, most couples I like, don't understand games at all I but I see me. you tweeting about your Twitch channel and I'm like you guys go you seem happy most I don't understand this but I'm happy dancing. it's like no let's just fucking okay I'm sorry what couples games. do you know who've taken up ballroom dancing no couple of people have taken up swing dancing really uh, we yeah, are actually like, going to hope to do it on our cruise this it's summer. so cool yeah. I wish I could do it yeah I'm really jealous it's, people, it's couples who watch Strictly together yeah. Yeah. Uh, we should do that because I was saying to you guys before we came on air that I was at a wedding on Sunday of two very dear friends hello John and Becky and my friend's father Tom was good enough to escort me for the first dance and around the dance floor and I didn't realise that he had done many many dance classes and was amazing and so like spent the evening teaching me how to dance and he's like oh do you know how to American Jive and the answer is of course I bloody don't <laughs> <laughs> yes yes yeah. please mould me into your image and he was like oh you're very good and I was like lol I'm not but you, are <laughs> so ve- yeah, you are very and also like it was a wedding so I was wearing like a floor length dress oh perfect <laughs> Basically, like, my strategy was because I came back from Twickenham and the Grand Slam, which was yay, but you know, we won't go into that because this is not that podcast. Indoor kids, indoor kids. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah. I know. Anyway, greatest weekend of my life. But I was like, I'm going to wear a dress that has a good bit of boob because my face is not going to be anything to write home about. <laughs> so like I was in, you know, the plunging necklace and the full dress and whatever and being spun around the dance floor or whatever. And I was like, yeah, no, I can see why people want to learn how to do this because it's a bit of a cheat sometimes being a girl because obviously if you have a strong partner is what I've learned. Like mm. Tom's like, you're very good. I'm like, no, no, you are very good. Lead, and I yeah. am following you. So that is how this is working. Mm-hmm. It's a cool thing to be able to do and we will get to it, but currently we're just playing horror games. Now right? So I always knew that I loved being scared. But when we, we played a game recently called Layers of Fear, which is like a haunted clues house in the story. Name. Yeah, clues, clues in, in the name. name. It's been an artist having a nervous breakdown. Uh, <laughs> so Sarah. Hmm. <laughs> um, no, he's a painter, so we're nothing alike. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's terrible to his wife and child and I have neither wife or a child, so it's fine. Uh, but it's a... Uh, does Gary have any thoughts on that? <laughs> no. There were moments where he was like, ha that's you. And I was like, shut up. Um, but you're moving to this haunted house and uh, it's very like sleep no more. It's mm-hmm. very like sleep no more. Um, you're moving through a uh, haunted house that keeps moving and it's full of brilliant jump scares. And you know, you do jump and you scream and you feel a little bit sick, but then the adrenaline kicks in and you're like, I want to feel like this forever. I love being scared. Lord. See, I, I watch Psycho. I think this is what it trails. I watched Psycho when I was eight years old with my father, who oh. normally is quite like a good, like... Th- 
like we could always kind of watch what we wanted but like you know we weren't watching like crazy shit and we used to make my little sister hide behind the couch during Buffy the Vampire Slayer which she says she watched you know from behind the couch mm. um, but I watched Psycho with my dad when I was eight because I think he was like oh it's Hitchcock it's culture and I think I was literally never the same and have never been able to watch horror films ever since then I think no I had the opposite reaction to you where I was like this is fucking terrible I think I'm going to puke and I don't want to do this again it just makes me laugh like I'm scared and I'm screaming and then I can't stop laughing I love it I watched a Razorhead with my dad uh, around the same year of that first breakup where he was like hey you know how you're sad all the time here's like good fucking cinema your dad is a smart cookie he was a good he was really good he actually dispenses the most incredible relationship advice and the most he's brilliant anyway um, we were watching uh, Razorhead by David Lynch Mm -hmm. which was like one of the first David Lynch things I ever watched which is a black and white mostly silent movie about a guy who's having like a paternity crisis his girlfriend's pregnant it is how hard for him uh, the baby comes out and it's like uh, it's like a it's, it's like a a cow fetus there's like a woman that lives in the radiator who has like mostly cream cheese like big huge fe- like Science quite. I haven't seen it but this so is screaming David Lynch to me it also. is, it is yeah. David Lynch yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so it's, it's like it's, it's his first feature mm. and uh, it's very very upsetting mm-hmm. <laughs> no shit I can't say I'm looking running to watch it after this and my dad rolled a bottle across the carpet during one of the really tense moments and it tipped my leg and I have never gotten more of a fright in my life, one of these things that would cure you of the hiccups for the rest. Did he of do this on purpose or by oh, accident? Oh, he did it on purpose. <laughs> he did it on purpose. But very dark, Papa Griff. But very the, dark. Such a good move. But I was so got this massive fright, and then I just, I just love it. I love being scared. I love being scared. And again, I think with Dal, like he frightens you deliberately mm. and shows it. Now, again, not all of his avenues are like right, but at the same time, the environment that he creates for this fear. Like it's very safe Yeah and I think that is why kids still love the books because they are dark and they are and even like and the humour is like can be I'm not crass Gross Gross yeah Mm. but like kids love that shit and I think kids like feeling tested and dark in kind of a safe environment or whatever and I think Mm. that's so it's not like you know even I don't know if you've ever watched or read a series of unfortunate events especially the original film but you know that whole the happy little elf thing and you're like please shoot me and then it goes to this really dark place and kids are like now we're talking so I think like and sometimes kids stuff now can be almost a bit too sanitised and that's all hug opposite of Seinfeld like oh let's all hug and learn so I think like Rod Dahl there is you know like that quote there is beautiful things in there and like a lot of the messages are, are them, of them are like don't be a dickhead which like you know strong always strong yeah. but like don't I, be shallow yeah. I think is the other part like he's very Rod Dahl there's, very, there's a lot of like anti-shallow stuff which I think well, is a bit yeah, the one that because it's kind of this is a very Matilda thing and even um that both in the film and in the book her family watch TV and he hates television hates television you see it with Mike TV yeah. or whatever and then her dad in this incredibly upsetting scene rips up her library books and whatever mm. and in the book there is this line about like how dare he he seemed to be saying how dare she be getting pleasure from something that he wouldn't and that he couldn't and even in the book there's this thing which actually makes Matilda sound like an unbearable little prig but where like that her family wouldn't act this way if they had read Dickens and you're like come on now there, you see there are elements of Matilda that I push back against so mm. I have this very long running like don't be a fucking Rory Gilmore about it like as a childhood lover Rory books, is the worst Rory is the worst like are you in fucking Ravenclaw mm, tell me more about him when you love books like that mm. thing wrecks my head so much because making books elitist is the opposite of what it should be exactly it is you cannot ever judge anybody on what they read on what kind of stories they consume like you can't that's how you push people out and there is such such space and like I'm very very pro this in comfort literature 
Mm. Like, if you're feeling shit, pick up a Jilly Cooper, don't feel guilty about it, and you go to Rutcher or Rutcher or whatever the fucking place is called. Like, don't feel bad about it. And, you know, you could, like, I was reading um, to go with Bethany Rutter and I've forgotten Alice's surname, which is Slater, Alice Slater, uh, their podcast. Mm. Um, what page you on? What page you on? Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. I started reading um, Leila Slimani's Lullaby. Mm. And the first line of that is the baby is dead. So obviously is dark. I got halfway through and then I got a tummy bug and I was like, I can't do this right now. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You don't have to fucking go to the end if you don't want yeah. to go No, to and I end. will pick it back up. I think it was really well written and I like to read like a variety of stuff. Like I'm a big rereader and definitely I was when I was a kid with Matilda and whatever. It's like sometimes you want to go to the, and whether it's like, you know, Agatha Christie, my home gal from when I was 12, invented the genre. And actually... Side note: All the the all the authors that Rod Dog goes on about in the book, all dudes. She reads very very little Bronte. We're not talking any Jane Austen. No, that's fair. Mm. And I think we we only have to glance at the witches to know how suspicious style is of women in general, especially mm. beautiful women. The idea that somehow that our physical composition is 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 concealing something darker. Like a mm. lot of his stuff is anti. Uh, it's very it's very cerebral. It's very anti aesthetic. There are no very beautiful like Miss Honey is pretty but, but she had to suffer for it she had to suffer mm, for it yeah. Valid, it's, it's yeah. a beauty of it's a beauty of poverty mm. whereas the women who are like put together and look fly as fuck are all witches you know mm. and Matilda's mom who yes is not great is very preconcerned you choose books and I choose looks, looks mm. yeah. right and you I can t- have both you can contain multitudes Rory Gilmore like <laughs> stop yourself are right. you angry at Rory, Rald, or just the whole thing? Oh, the whole the thing. Whole the whole thing. Concept, like, the, Rory, the patriarchy. The, the, Rory, like, the Rory Gilmore The cool is girl. A, the, cool, the, the, the cool nerd girl, yeah. It's, a, it's an idea, mm. you know? It's a, And that kind of, unfortunately, can be what moments in Matilda Yeah, a little spawn, bit, yeah. Which is know? yeah, which is the kind of tricky thing, and that like if you need to read and be a and be good and like you you know and that even that they eat TV dinners like <gasps> and stuff like that. But obviously, again, like a product of the time, I think. Mm-hmm. And again, this does not make it excusable, but it's just part of life's rich tapestry. Yeah, of negotiating mm-hmm. this problematic world of problematic faves. Exactly. Like you have to be able to look at it critically, or like why look at it. At I, all. That probably like eating dinner in front of the television was probably kind of a new behavior when Matilda was written. I'd as say well. yeah, there's so, a lot of truth. That. It was just kind of a novelty rather than something that everybody the does all the time. Of the now. nuclear family around the dinner yeah. table, like yeah. yeah, exactly. But that, that but there was a there's a, a snobbery there, and I think you can like there's so many beautiful passages in Matilda about reading and voyages and like how how we find ourselves in literature, which are really really mm. important, and how like these voices nurture her young mind, or whatever, which yeah, is massively. But the only thing she's reading in the book is white dudes, is Ernest Hemingway and like E.M. Forrester and C.S. Lewis. It says she reads the Sound in the Fury, which I read in college. That's a that's like Ulysses. That's heavy. It's yeah. so heavy. It's that's a, that's Wolf, right? Uh, Faulkner. No, it's Faulkner. Yeah, it's all um, suicides and college. Like cool, rich cool, people yeah. and trees and yeah, like suicides, <laughs> college, rich people and trees. That's, it's like stuff happening at the bottom of fields in manors. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Work, Matilda. Yeah, know? I hope you enjoyed it. I didn't get through it, but maybe you did. But I think yeah. it's more important in general to show kids that you can contain multitudes mm-hmm. and that you can enjoy looking nice and reading books. One really th- important thing from Matilda is that it. He mentions over and over again how she's humble about how smart she is. Mm. She doesn't like flaunt it or lorded over everybody else in the yeah. class and that's why the kids like her because yeah. she, she's quiet yeah. about it that is actually a really important takeaway that she's that she has a humility to her yeah. which is why she's like wise and shit and I think some of it comes from the fact that she's growing up in a household which is horrifically abusive and they tell her she's terrible all the time mm. so like there is that. and also probably because she doesn't actually they forget to register for her school, her for school so she goes to school late so she hasn't had peers like in the and in the 
in the film her brother is a prick in the book he's just like a regular kid kind of thing yeah so she doesn't re- i don't think she really grasps until that first day of school that what she can do is exceptional i think she thinks everybody can do this mm-hmm. so because you know there is that thing where like she starts um doing crazy multiplications and whatever and but it doesn't occur to her that this Other isn't can't. yeah that this isn't how normal. She does it. yeah which is kind of gorgeous and mm. how you inca- like how a lot of or like actually gifted children mm. do operate in the world where they just don't know that other people can't do it yeah mm. completely and they don't like you don't have a comparison and what a, a comparison thing and also like that they're there's this line in um, To Kill a Mockingbird where Skate's like, until I learned I would lose it. I, until I was feared I might lose it, I uh, never loved reading. One does not learn to, lo- to love breathing. Aww. So like Matilda doesn't think of this as like, look at this cool thing I can do, which I feel if you know, I could now, I would be like, look at this cool thing I can do, everybody. Mm. You, she, it's just, it is who she is. Mm. She doesn't think of it as a thing. Mm. But I think like going back to what you're saying about kind of women, I think... Um, her mother is it's uh, what's uh, Donny Donny DeVito's wife? I've told is oh, it, Leah Yeah, I was like not Leah Ramini because she's a Scientologist yes. <laughs> exposer, but they, she has this great line. She has that you choose books and I choose looks thing, but she has a line at the end of it where she goes, "You're the only daughter I ever had, Matilda, and I never understood you not one little bit." And she mm. kind of loves her enough to let her go. Yeah, mm. uh, where you don't get that in the book. No. And, go, yeah. yeah, yeah, and also she's hilarious in it when she has like letting the speedboat salesman into the house and getting drunk with them, and Matilda's like they are cops, and she's <laughs> like they're speedboat salesmen. <laughs> but like I think it is a portrait of kind of just two incredibly different ways of existing, mm. and some of it is ways of femininity, yeah, but some of it is just ways of existing. And just at the very end of the film, she looks at her and is like, "This other person can." understands you better and can treat you better than I can so I'm not going to make you move to Guam yeah mm. so like there is something actually quite lovely in that and I think the two of them as her parents are brilliant and it is really interesting because obviously when you're reading it Matilda's a quintessentially English text and it's in a village and whatever but I think it transposes really well I think Danny DeVito like I think that scene in the book her powers are all she she like she trains and the pair it's all so practical mm. but you have that amazing scene with you know uh, what little bitty pretty thing where she's got the cards flying and she's just yeah. enjoying what she can do yeah she doesn't do that at any point in the book it's no all, it's purely to yeah, functional yeah. yeah completely there's no pleasure or like yeah. exercise and it, I think yeah. that's like and actually it's amazing we've gone this far without talking about her but Mara Wilson Mara Wilson mm. Mara Wilson Twitter goddess and I think she is and like it's the same in her Miracle on 34th Street and her Mrs. Dade Farkas like the mm-hmm. iconic child act she is so good she is so good and like I think it would be really easy to hate Matilda like we kind of talked about but she's so lovable yeah Mm. and like she's her her comic timing is brilliant and what an amazing job to have done as a a young person like to be able to capture a a potentially dislikable and actually what we're talking about when what I'm talking about more when I'm saying there are things in Matilda that I don't like like cultural things that I don't like like this like snobbery effectively Mm -hmm. and like this distillation of like the literary mind as the most powerful mind and fuck everybody who's like a populist blah 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 Mm. That's not Matilda. That's not our girl. Mm-mm. That's doll. Yeah. No, she's like, pretty chill. And one of the, I, it's such a tricky one because there's a lot of obviously problematic fave, but there's stuff in Matilda that I think goes against the grain in a lot of his books because you have Bruce and you have um, Lavender, who mm-hmm. is a girl of color in the in the film. So shout out Danny DeVito. Well done well for done. like uh, different times and you, yeah, you made a leap. You embraced it. Fair play to you. Um, they have small rebellions of their own. Like Matilda obviously is like horror film crazy showy as fuck you go girl. But you have the scene with the newt and you have the scene with the cake and they kind of almost uh, counterpoint Matilda's oh sweet God, this is terrifying. Side note uh, in the which I read when I was researching this. 
the portrait of her father in the of Miss Honey's father and brother of Miss Trunchbull. Yes, yeah. that's Roald Dahl in the portrait. That's an old portrait of Roald Dahl. No way. Which is, I thought, like a nice little uh, that's homage. A lovely touch. Yeah, 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 really, really nice. So obviously, what Matilda does is like if this happened to you. Might, like no wonder Miss Trunchbull loses her shit. Even leaving aside the fact she straight up murdered her brother, like <laughs> straight up is a murderer. Yeah. It's a person killer. Yeah, yeah, but like you know, if this happened to you, whereas the other stuff, it's almost more. Particularly lavenders, it's like she puts a Newton water jug and like Bruce, and obviously the cake is kind of magical realism and whatever. But their rebellions are kind of achievable and small ones. And also that Matilda is not alone in being like this woman's a Push dick. Back. Mm-hmm. Tiny yeah. moments of childhood badassery mm. are really great in Dallas. Little, work. yeah, little it's rebellion. Little victories, little yeah. tiny, and tiny. And the kids victories. who do this are like in the book. Um, they, I, I'm not sure they specifically mention Lavender's ethnicity, but I don't think she is black. But she is tiny. She's the smallest girl in the school. Yeah. And Bruce is the like, biggest. yeah, exactly. So these, it's not necess- these are not the kids who in Dawes work normally do the cool heroic thing. Mm. So I think that is a nice thing about Matilda. Now that your heroine, your heroine is your Rory Gilmore-esque perfect tiny white girl, but it is the other the other kids are still badasses in their own way. And I don't think that's always the case in Dahl's work. No, so I think that no, is no, something that no. I mean, that if you look at really Charlie like, and the Chocolate Factory, yeah. like the... Mm. Or I mean, when I, whenever we think about James the Giant Peach, like, I mean, I... Like, I... Jesus, obsessed with this book. Like, they kill his parents within the first paragraph, right? They're mm. eaten by a rhino. Um... The, the aunts an are, angry marauding escaped rhino or something yeah like some that. brilliant line yeah, like and that. the film is really good it's like you just see the eyes and you're like oh this is scary and then you were left in the grief afterwards yeah. and the aunts uh, who are like Spongeon Spiker who are Joanna Lumley yeah. and uh, oh, oh my god are they fucking Jennifer Saunders and Joanna Lumley it might be it's definitely Joanna Lumley because she's Aunt Spiker the really tall angular like bony one I feel like it's, a, it's basically Ab Fab I feel like it is. Are we going to wonder kill that? You, you, you keep talking because yeah. I haven't um, seen it so you can talk about it now. Yeah. Have you not seen James and John Peach? Oh, no. I, like, I read it. I loved it's it. Yeah. fucking beautiful. Yeah, it's a really, really good film. Uh, and the book is beautiful as well. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a gorgeous story. I mean, it's Freudian as fuck, right? He yeah. like, re-enters the womb and like grows in there and like mm-hmm. is born again in New York and like this rejection of these two feminine archetypes. Anyway, dull hating women <laughs> Just a little is, aside. Just, a little, just, just theory, doing the thing again. Um, the two aunts are... Uh, vapid and thin and then excessive and big and mm. these are all ways well because Roald Dahl's writing is so bodily like even the bits that are cerebral are really bodily like they're visceral yeah I think he uses that on women in a way that is not ideal yeah like is I think that, and then gross. like just to talk about Roald Dahl a bit so basically he was a fascinating dude I read um, the kind of sanctioned uh, biography of him and he the the whole it it actually cracked me up and I was reading it on a plane going I don't know somewhere where the entire intro of it is basically like he never wanted a biography like he has his boy and going solo which apparently are very embellished but like he's kind of honest about that he's like you know they're stories as much as they are stories of my life and he was like I never want to do one biographies are boring biographies are boring whatever and then he died and eventually his family allowed someone who a family friend to write it and the, the whole thing was like this is not going to be a boring bog standard biography it was the most boring bog standard no. biography of a fascinating man so for people like who don't know like he was shot down in the Air Force then he was seconded to Washington and became like an attache for the British Air Force hung around with FDR loads was in the White House with him and Eleanor just buzzing just buzzing just buzzing and with Walt wrote wrote, uh, a book about gremlins who like sabotage planes and then got that got option so he knew Walt Disney in his hay married Patricia Neal most known as the slinky cougar on Breakfast at Tiffany's Um, she had a stroke and he completely revolutionised how which in the day when you said a stroke like it was good night Irene you were sent off to a sanatorium somewhere to you know slowly die and decay but he was like no that's ridiculous she's going to get better 
uh, he did make her better but largely I think by treating her like shit because there was no like rehab or anything <gasps> like that but he worked and worked and worked mm. and got better and whatever then when they were living in New York one of their kids was uh, being pushed along by the nanny and got hit by a runaway taxi oh my God. so he helped in and again I think there was a slight this is no hope situation he helped invent a brain shunt to drain fluid from um the kid's brain sorry that sounded very callous um, and so it's actually named like this shunt is the whatever the dial something or whatever mm. and oh, still shit. exists so like this to say he was a fascinating dude like so this is someone who you can write a meaty interesting biography this biography about so it was literally like and his agent in 1973 was blah 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 and after writing a whole preamble of Roald Dahl never wanted a biography and he thought biographies are boring you better write a f- good fucking biography. And especially mm. when you have a... Can you imagine getting a subject like that to write about? There is so Even without much. the books, that's an yeah. amazing life yeah, story. Completely. Yeah, completely. And, and oh yeah, then became like the greatest children's author of all time. Yeah. <laughs> and like even the story of, which is, I think is in his books, of how like he met E.M. Forster, the, who apparently wrote loads of like great sea books. I haven't read any of them, but apparently, you know, like Men at Sea, Yaring and whatever, mm. when, you know, boats had big masts and whatever, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, And he was meant to be giving him notes for, it was before America entered the war and part of his job in Washington and New York and wherever he was, was to be like, you know, this is a good idea. Why don't you bail in here, guys? Um, So kind of slight propaganda thing. So mm. he was meant to write a story for Newsweek or Time or one of those or People not People does anyway Life Magazine actually mm-hmm. I think it was Life Magazine one of those about like his experience of being shot down and about the war and whatever um, and they had a really good lunch and then apparently just like talked and talked and talked and then he's like oh shit I forgot about that listen why don't I just give you some notes he goes great and then he just wrote down the whole story um, and, and he was like I haven't changed a word this needs to be published and he called it a piece of cake and that's how he started writing and then he wrote this story about the gremlins which apparently are an RAF thing mm. of like little creatures who get in who like sabotage planes and their wives are like Fifen- f- uh, Fenelfas or Fenellas or something something mm. like that and uh, Eleanor Roosevelt not that many people saw it but Eleanor Roosevelt got a copy of the book read it to her grandkids um, and was like hey you should come to the White House and then like he became tight with them and mm. then he was in and he wrote the screenplay yeah to James Bond uh, to You Only Live Twice uh, Didn't know that one. Yeah, completely. Like him and Ian Fleming, I'd say, as dark dudes, probably got on. Yeah, he wrote yeah. the screenplay to something else. I mean, I can oh, think of two bang bang, which is Ian Fleming's yes. kids yeah. book. That is that could be Dal. Yeah, mm. it, but he wrote that screenplay. Did he? Yes, that was the other one that I couldn't oh remember. Gosh. So thank. So like even leaving aside, this is an interesting dude. Mm. And like even you know that he was uh, Norwegian. His dad died when he was four, and like that. He, anyway, I could keep going. Like he is a fascinating guy. Mm. Even and Ben becomes you know the greatest children's author of all time and also like have you read his adult short stories? They are brilliant, but they are dark. Yeah, like super they're kind of like the dark parts of the kids' book with the shackles off, if you know what I mean, mm. and with you know the ultimate no hugging, no learning, no hugging, no learning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like they, they are really well written and like a good short story is hard to do because it's the economy of space. Like and he is brilliant with space. Yeah, like and I think that maybe that comes from the kids' books because mm. they are children's books are impossible to write. I think Not he had written the adult ones first and they were like reasonably well received and whatever um, but yeah so let's say fascinating dude not saying you would necessarily uh, have dinner with him <laughs> you probably mm. would though wouldn't you yeah, yeah I know <laughs> yeah I think you would have him on the dinner but, but like it's also like Passover probably I'd wear like yeah. I, I wouldn't wear any makeup because I'd be afraid he'd tell me I was a bad person do you know yeah, that too. Like, yeah but wouldn't bring him to a synagogue no instance, no yeah. or like yeah, I think he was kind of like, oh, you can see where Hitler's coming from. It's like, no, Ralph, you Not really, actually, yeah. no, no really, you really can't. <laughs> no. no, and you heard that story that broke recently enough about what who Charlie in the Chocolate Factory was meant to be originally, right? Mm-mm. That he was meant to be a boy made of chocolate. He was meant to be like a black child. 
What, no, I thought that was that the Oompa Loompas were meant to be like uh, African slaves who worked for free in the chocolate no, factory. No, they pretty much were that already. Yeah. But yeah. no, Charlie was a chocolate boy. And there was a version of it in which he, I swear this is Does a New Yorker thing. Does he melt or get eaten? Uh, I think something really awful happens. I will actually check that yeah. because that is a really recent story. Because I remember reading old, about, yeah, that they were. Cause, no, it was like late last year and it came out through his former agent mm. that there was this different version of the story that they were like, mm. we can't do this. This is too. Yeah. Mm. Like, well, even Matilda originally, apparently, which is uh, not as racist, but apparently she was a stone cold bitch in the original draft, mm. and um, she helps Miss Honey fix a horse race, and then she dies. So like he, he like he would write mm. his books for like a long time, and he was very disciplined yeah. in the drafting and redrafting process. In his, uh, he had a sort of a shed or a hut, which apparently you can visit in the Royal Doll Museum. Like mm. they've preserved so, it yeah. and brought it in, which I would totally do. Yeah. Okay, so here it is in the Guardian. Mm. Um, or sorry it's not The Guardian this one's The New York Times there was another piece in The Guardian which kind of touched on it so it's like um, beep boop beep boop uh, Charlie's cho- uh, Charlie's Chocolate Boy that's what it is this is magical chocolate factory and its owner Willy Wonka is being inundated by children who want to visit it so he decides instead of letting hundreds of children in he'll give seven golden tickets blah 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 so there's more so it's more, five in the original so the they same. put it down yeah uh, or five in the actual but book. Charlie ends up in the Easter room where there's life-size, life-size candy moles of creatures and one of those is shaped like a chocolate boy. Mm. Uh, Charlie is fascinated by this. Wonka helps him get into the mold and oh gets my distracted. God. The mold closes and the chocolate pours over his body and he's suffocating and nearly drowning in it. It hardens around him which feels terrible. He's trapped. This is real doll, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, no well, one can gets... anyone else feel like a little uncomfortable <laughs> trying to breathe? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, Alan's with me. No one gets to know uh, where he, no one knows where he's gone and then he gets taken to Wonka's house to be the chocolate boy in Wonka's son's Easter basket. And at this, I think in this draft uh, Charlie is a boy of colour as well. So this is already a mm. non-white mm. child. Uh, so Charlie uh, is waiting for the mold to be cracked and open the next day when the son will get his Easter treat. That's when burglars come to the house to steal millions of dollars in jewellery. Charlie witnesses it through tiny holes in the chocolate, but they uh, but they never realise the chocolate boy was alive. Right, so he alerts Wonka and his wife. So yeah, How there's a he, whole yeah. there's a whole thing. Um, and yeah, that was Charlie as a child of colour and they, they literally cast him in chocolate and kept him as like a... As a trinket. As a trinket. There's a, there's a big article yeah. in the New York Times, mm. an interview in the New York Times mm. about it. He writes these stories about courage and bravery and like, and there's, there's these threads of like mm. piety. Yeah. You know, but like mm. resilience, but also piety mm. and starvation and honourable poverty mm. and... The martyrdom kind of thing. And, and an intellectual martyrdom. Mm-hmm. Like... You can all you can be real. There's nothing you can Dickens. get from a book that you can't get from a television faster, as Mr. Wormwood says. But like Mr. Wor- do you know? But what you mean? can't like, get great things from a television. Well, wrong. You, can, you can contain multitudes, mm. you know. And I think there's uh, dolls where it can be can't be said to be nuanced. And I definitely think as a child, and I feel that like this bit the Chronicle of Narnia as well. And actually, no one has done Narnia. Purity is the issue here. And mm. like narratives that pray that like uphold mm. a sense of purity. Yeah. And like I feel like as a child I took that shit on board. Mm. Like the idea of being a reader was some like massive to my yeah. identity. Yeah, hugely. And like the second that people tried to tell me that like TV was good, I pushed back. I don't think I had it so much with TV, but I definitely like I, and I make a joke of it now because hey, that's what we do with our self-depreciating humor. Yeah. But when people were like, "Oh, like how can you read so quickly or how do you talk so quickly?" It's like I had no friends as a child. Yeah. Which I say it as a joke, yeah. but hell, I had no friends as a child, so that was why I and actually like I'm obviously I'm a bit of a sports nut, so I wouldn't have been like a complete indoor kid. I would have also been I'm very happy up a tree and whatever. Um, but it was just like you know when you had people in your class like ordering pizzas and taxis to your house like you know you weren't high on the popularity scale let's put it that way but like you know books aren't going to hurt you 
No. Yeah. Books, books are, are going to really be saying to you. Like I was really sick in January and I just like, I read like fucking like eight books and I was just like, I am so ill and I can't talk to people. So I'm just going to like mm. have like fiction pals. Oh. Stay, yeah. Books are still good. Man. And even like when you're reading a book where you're like, I hate this dude, but that's part of the thing. You know, that's part of the book. Part like of the it's, it's not necessarily that like you are reading books about deadly people or that like Strunchful, iconic. Hell of a bitch. Iconic. You enjoy reading about her. Do you know what I mean? You can enjoy reading about and even Leila Samani's lullaby. Very complicated. uh, Two very complicated female protagonists who sometimes you're like, oh, you're awful. And sometimes you're like, oh, I see where you're coming from, whatever. But that's the enjoyment of reading. So like, obviously, friends ideally never let you down. People in books can let you down as in you can be like, oh, wouldn't have made that choice. But that's part low of cost. the process yeah low exactly yeah. it's a uh, low risk but high reward yeah oh that's exactly also I think TV shows and films aren't allowed to have characters as problematic as Trunchbull now like they're, they're, mm. if you have someone that doesn't the audience can't identify with there will be a Tumblr outrage and I don't know I think we've moved away from that a little bit like I would agree with you let's say TV five to ten years ago but I think TV is now like such a way more interesting I think in film that's still really difficult and especially roles for women are a certain thing but I think in like TV the HBO and whatever like you still see like look at Big Little Lies again straight up murder to dude like I know it was like self-defense or whatever and that you know that in the first so if you haven't watched it and you should because mm. it's really good really but good. it's so good oh I used my to be God. a nanny for those kind of people yeah I'd say you had that like, was years. watching those being like I feel like I've been in my house mm. yeah you know? with its amazing views yeah mm. but like I think there is more of a space in television and in modern television for problematic women not like I'm not saying it's all like a fair game I think in films less so I think there is still I was thinking more of the way you know like creators get like death threats because a character is something the fandom doesn't like oh yeah kind of thing or like, they, that the, the work is perceived as some way dangerous yeah mm. and there is this or whole just, or it's not acknowledged that a character do something bad in one episode and then it's to set them up for redeeming it several episodes mm, away. It's like arc, that character is cancelled because yeah. they did this thing in this one episode. Mm. That kind of but thing. I suppose that's the And also, I think there is, and hopefully, again, we're moving away from this. And again, like mm. Big Little Lies is a good example of this. I do watch other programs, I swear. But <laughs> where, like, I think we've moved away from the narrow, dare I say, Joss Whedon esque of this is what mm. a strong woman is. Mm. Like, I think it's not, and like I said, I box. I enjoy hitting things, but it's not just like being tough or even being like and that's why I think maybe Jessica Jones was like a more nuanced take on that because she had been through incredible trauma but it didn't feel gratuitous it didn't feel like gratuitous it was part of her character arc and like she was a straight up bitch Mm. and like that's what was that's what was great about it if you know what I mean like I felt like it wasn't just like this woman has been through a terrible thing and now she has overcome it and become strong and sassy and that's what a strong woman is whereas Mm. I think now like there's because there's a million ways to be a dude there's now we're getting to the point where we contain multitudes and women are not a hive mind and they can all do things differently. Mm. That's a really good point. We're getting there. I mean, I feel like it takes, there's a lot more happening now than there has been. Mm. The conversation is starting to move. Things are changing. That women are, again, pretty uh, big little lies. Reese Witherspoon is a a tremendous force for good. Like that she, Mm. stuff is only going to change so much until we become the content creators. Yeah. And like, and she'll use all of her privilege for good. Yeah. And Mm. you go girl. My favorite photographs, the internet are her hugging Nicole Kidman because she's like a tiny and Nicole is so tall. Mm. What? Like if you you have a moment to Google Mm. Reese Reese Witherspoon hugging people, she is so tiny. She is like a a Polly Pocket. She's a tiny. Yeah. Yeah. And her daughter, like it's freakish. They look like twins. They look like Mm. twins. Like they are so like like the Gilmore girl <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 they're not like alright no. we've gone so far off Matilda oh yeah. my god Matilda yeah. so like final, final thoughts. thoughts yeah mm. oh I have one thing I need to mention and that's that my wife has a Matilda tattoo because it's her favourite book 
I love so that. I am. She has the one of Matilda yeah. holding a book and looking away just on her wrist. Oh, I love is, that. It's very good. That is it, because I have to say, unlike yeah. Sarah, I'm a, a blank. I don't know if that's an actual term. A blank? I I've never a, heard that. I, oh, I haven't. I don't know. If, oh, I may have made it up. I don't know if it's a thing. Basically, I don't have a tattoo to I my name. I. And Matilda and, would be one. Yeah. Other than Seamus Heaney's last words, uh, which he texted to his wife, Nola Tamara, don't be afraid. Uh-huh. Uh, or a Matilda tattoo would be things that I won't really consider mom and dad but I'm kind of <laughs> considering yeah. Um, yeah but I just I do think like it's iconic for a reason I think that the image of her and like she was probably the first like strong female fictional hero heroine in my life and in I think a life of a lot of people mm. and I think it is a book and hopefully again we've moved past this a little bit but like boys read Matilda Whereas yeah, yeah, they sure mm. did. Yeah, which I think is huge because even nowadays, I think J.K. Rowling was told Harry Potter needed to be a boy because boys won't read books starring girls. Because the real hero of Harry Potter, let's be real, Hermione is Hermione Granger. Granger. So like, you kind of w- w- want to see that. You know, you want to see Neutrality. her story and her mm. like she what she does with her parents is incredibly heroic. She curses. She does a memory charm obliviates them so they don't remember they have a daughter and they move to Australia to keep them safe can you imagine doing a that sacrifice yeah, yeah completely and like you know very sad Harry lost his parents but he didn't you know he, he didn't, didn't have do to that fucking... he didn't choose that she made a choice to save the people who loved her and she loved the most so like it's incredibly brave but I think yeah there's, it's a pretty straight line from Matilda to Hermione isn't it losing, yeah, using, your, using your incredible powers where you, and also where you are the smartest person by a country mile in the room using them for good mm. and when you could have done anything else anything else that's a really good point that you could mm. have done yeah. anything else but you did the good thing you did the good thing yeah. and and you had this mighty power that you could have wielded both magically and intellectually because they both have both of them and they never waver neither mm. of them waver they know what the right thing to do is Ron fecks off you know and throws the fucking strop because he's jealous and he does come back Hermione never wavers because she always knows what the right and Harry does his like emo years and whatever she always knows what the right thing to do is and Matilda does as well and it's not in a yay me way it's not they do it because it's, yeah, yeah they do it because it is the right thing to do because she's, they see injustice whether it be a micro level with Matilda and it's just you know Miss Honey and like her horrific murderous aunt who has stolen everything she owns or it is like a great evil that is taking over the world they both know what the right thing to do is and I think we could all stand to be a little bit more like that it ties perfectly into what we were saying earlier on about being better than those monsters being better than like than the people who have previously been in power or have previously been exclusively the ones who are the storytellers the dreamers of dreams like the people who have been telling in charge of telling the stories that humans tell to each other and I think, like with with Matilda, like like you're you're dead right. We can do take power and do the right thing with it. And we don't all have, obviously, very 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 few of us have the almighty power of Matilda. But you know what? We all have a little bit, and we all have the. We can all make our own decisions and choose to live our life in a certain way. And the bare minimum is not necessarily that you have to go and do extraordinary things, but try and live your life in a way that doesn't hurt other people. Like, mm. that is what it is. And ideally, you can live your life in a way that stands up for other people, which is what Matilda did. That seems like a good place to leave it. That's dead. Thank you so much, Kate Thank McAvoy. Thank you so much, Thank Kate you. McAvoy. And we talked solidly for two hours. Yeah. yeah. Bye, everybody. Good night. Hey, it's Alan and Sarah. Hello. Thanks again to Kate McAvoy. That Thank was you for l- being with us, Kate. That was deadly. It was a lot of fun. A mm. uh, few announcements and things, some action items action for items. you. Housekeeping. Yeah. So our live show for our 50th episode is coming up. It's April 25th. 
in the workman's vintage room in the workman's vintage room there will be relatively limited seating so you should book and you should come and you should hang out with us because these things don't happen very often no. and there will be things that you will want to see mm-hmm. going down dinosaurs definitely puppets whatever we can fit the we, biggest dinosaur we can fit in there and I mean there might even be a balloon we're definitely we're working on the balloon like one we've made some calls <sighs> It's tough really to source a balloon, you guys. Oh, it's just very tough to source a balloon. So you really want to be there if there is one because there might not be one again. Yeah. It's very important. Think of this as like a post-apocalyptic situation where you're all, everybody's gathered from all around Dublin to come see a balloon. A single it's, it's balloon. the last balloon. And also Alan, Ellen and me talking to uh, an extremely cool guest who will be na- whose name will be released to the public soon. We're mm-hmm. very excited having some cool chats. Uh, one of the greatest joys of Juvenilia is getting to talk to super interesting people about super interesting things. And we are going to be doing it live in public in front of a room of sound people. Yeah. Hopefully including you. Yeah. The last time we did a live episode, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was like Maria Doyle Kennedy. Holy shit. People got books that I found in the charity shop. They liked them. <sighs> we'll definitely have a raffle. Like there will definitely oh, yeah. be some tomfoolery some games some nonsense it'll be like the childhood birthday party that you always wish you could have mm-hmm. there's well, gonna be a balloon there'll be a balloon <laughs> yeah you guys so yeah that's April 25th in yeah. the Workman's Club Vintage Room, room. Uh, it's a Wednesday it's a we- it's midweek like what else are you gonna be doing on a Wednesday yeah I have choir practice not gonna go that night RuPaul's Rock Race Season right 10 is on Thursday yeah. like Wednesday you've got nothing going come on Yeah. you know where you wanna it'll be it'll be good it'll be good uh, action items are to follow us on all of the things because you really want to in case you're going to miss something we're going to we might post a picture of balloon afterwards we might not it might be too special but if you follow juvenalia underscore pod on twitter juvenalia pod on instagram or juvenalia podcast on facebook there might be a picture of the balloon just hang on for it that's can you live with yourself if you don't see it yeah like that's what you need to do you need to come you need to come and follow us we need to get a really good balloon we are bringing you <laughs> extraordinary content in the year of our lord 2018 yeah we are creating content um, and that's our Patreon thing that's Juvenalia Patreon. is creating content creating in the year content. of our lord 2018 Jesus content we uh, don't have a Patreon don't donate to a Patreon called Juvenalia because it will not come to us oh no please don't no but you know what you should do is come to our live show because that's you know being like a live patron of the arts right yeah come and see us alive in person and say hi and have a pint and like Lorenzo de Medici but alive but alive a and live on a patron much of the arts. less stressful scale for you mm-hmm. you get a chill night out we get to continue doing what we're doing um, you should also subscribe to the podcast network that is Headstuff who is like our the giant tree from which we hang like a tiny fruit we are one mm-hmm. of the oldest podcasts on this network we actually the day that we're recording is is our two-year anniversary of juvenilia which means juvenilia is longer in my life than many pairs of shoes i own it's very exciting i think all my pairs of shoes yeah i feel like I, i'm pretty good at throwing away old things yeah. by and large um so it's very exciting to have been doing this for two years and we really, really appreciate Headstuff for letting us come in here and we've watched the studio progress and the curtains are still the most serial killery things I've ever seen, but this place is amazing. And I mean, yeah, a lot of things have changed. Those curtains are forever. The curtains are forever, man. Yeah. But this place is, has grown and evolved and there are so many other great podcasts on the network. You should have a listen to Sparky Change, Jesus Christ, still. And mm-hmm. then you should listen to No Encore. You should listen to Thousand Spittle Show. You should listen to fucking Our Sexual History. The Mother sus. Folklore. Mother like, Folklore, yeah. If you go to through Headstuff's website and go into the podcast section, there is a whole whole plethora of things if you have an interest in something there's probably a podcast for it on head stuff if you have any interests at all and the more the more you listen the more uh, head stuff and us know that we should keep going Mm -hmm. so tune in listen to irish podcasts we all listen to american podcasts but listen to irish ones too yeah we're all right 
Uh, oh, also, thank you to Dee for our artwork. Yes, Dee, you're amazing. Thank you so yes. much for designing our beautiful logo. Dee McDonald. We never, we don't always say her full name. Dee McDonald. You follow her, her on Twitter. Time. Yeah, Dee is great. Yeah, she's great. Yeah. And does stunning, stunning work. So you should go check her out. Yeah. We at Juvenile are part of a large ensemble of really talented people. So it's a, it's a major blessing. It's a cool thing. There you go. So have you got anything else, Alan? I think that's everything. Yeah, I think that's everything. We'll see you at the live show. See you at the live show. Which is next week from when this comes out, I think. Oh my God, it's like next week from when this comes out. Yeah. Be grand. See you there. See you there. Bye. Bye. HPN, the Headstuff Podcast Network. See headstuff.org for more details.